Matters on Channels Television. We are so glad you could join us. I am Mary Alala Yusuf. It's a season of cheer, but also the dry season when some infectious diseases occur more often. One of these is Lassa fever, which is a viral, hemorrhagic, and zoonotic disease, which simply means it's caused by a virus, causes bleeding, and is spread from animals. In week 47, which falls at the end of November, the number of confirmed cumulative cases of Lassa fever were 994, more than double the cases at the same time last year, and the deaths at 178 are almost double last year's figure. The current episode has been reported in 26 states of the Federation. For cholera, as of 30th October 2020, 2022, I beg your pardon, a total of 19,228 suspected cases, including 466 deaths, have been reported from 31 states in 2022. My guest is the consultant public health physician, Dr. Akiala Ishaku. Dr. Ishaku joins us from our Butcher studio. You're welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Dr. Ishaku, we already know, you know, we've been educated extensively about Lassa fever. We know that it happens in the dry season when there's bush burning and that kind of thing. But these are things we now know. We also know that there's treatment for Lassa fever, there's medication. We also know, you know, how to keep ourselves safe. Why are we having so many more cases than before? Yeah, we are having so many cases uh, because actually um, uh, a lot has not been done in terms of advocacy. Uh, and so uh, there is no end to an advocacy. Uh, we only uh, have advocacy to people that have access to televisions, to channels, uh, tele you know, channels, TV uh, channels, the way what we're doing now. But a lot of people that are infected uh, within the rural communities, uh, a lot of this uh, uh, advocacy has not reached the rural communities. So uh, I want to say that the reason why we have more cases is because uh, advocacy has not yet reached into, uh, in, in grassroots areas uh, and, and also in rural areas. So it calls for concerns. It calls for a robust uh, uh, advocacy to this regards. Secondly, uh, it is also calls for us to look at the pattern of our reporting. Uh, um, Mary, you can see that you are giving us a report of uh, uh, the last week of November, and we are on the second week of uh, December. So the issue of real-time data is, 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 is quite a thing of concern. So I think as a nation and as a country, uh, we need to balance uh, having very delicate diseases of public health importance. <laughs> to have a real-time reporting system that can be able to help us in terms of planning for the future. So that's the reason why we have a lot of um, cases. Like the way you said from your background, you will discover that we have number of confirmed cases, both for Lassa fever and for cholera, that has doubled. So the year 2022 has doubled compared to the, the, the 2021. 
You have also established, based on epidemiological data that we have, that the, the case fatality rate has also risen and, and has also doubled. So these are things of concern. And funny enough, these are diseases that are preventable. These are diseases that once we applied uh, strategic uh, preventive measures, we should be able to curtail this. And one of the measures is what you are doing now, enlightenment, public enlightenment. That requires a lot of robust stakeholders' engagement to this regards, and then we begin to chant a pathway, a what? new frontier for, for her, us to halt this disease. Thank you, Doctor. Are, but are we getting any faster at detecting Lassa fever and any better at treating it than before? Come again? Pardon? Are we getting any... Are we detecting Lassa fever any faster and treating it any better than we used to in the years before now? I, so um, I, I, I think I'm not in the best authority to answer that. I think NCDC has the mandate to be able to do that. But uh, just uh, to also add a voice as an expert in the field uh, is that uh, we need to start thinking on how we should be able to test faster. So um, I agree with you on your position, whether we are testing faster, if we are not having real-time data on time, it shows that we are not testing faster. Uh, so we need to test faster. Uh, what we just need to do is to integrate uh, the COVID uh, testing laboratories that we have, whether it be it public or private, and integrate them into disease of public health importance so that we can, we should be able to do the testing. Uh, for you to test uh, a Lassa fever, to be able to establish from suspected case, probable case, to a confirmed case, it has to go through a PCR panel. And it is the same PCR panel that would test for COVID. So we are expecting that lessons learned from COVID should be that uh, we can also expand the spectrum of our testing panels to cover other infectious diseases uh, that are of public health importance, like Lassa. So uh, I think what the NCDC needs to do is to think in the direction of having an integrated strategic testing platform where we should expand the spectrum of our testing so that we can have real-time data. Uh, Mary, I think time has also come for us to look at local content development and begin to see how we can have testing panels that are indigenous because most of the costs implication in buying most of these reagents are on the higher side. And I think it is quite key for us to, the National Biotechnology Center, the National Center for Disease Control, and other federal government parastatals that are saddled with the mandate of curtailing and dictating infectious disease can be able to come up with homegrown solutions in terms of testing. So, uh, because virtually everything that we do now, we do import the testing panels. And I felt, uh, I think we should be able to, as a country, uh, be able to have a homegrown solution. It does not take a rocket science okay, for let, us to let's, do that. Let me just cut uh, in there uh, a bit uh, and move the focus a little bit. I understand it's expensive and everything, so it would be cheaper for us to make our own reagents. Now, people must move and expand into uncharted areas. The world population is increasing, the earth is growing, and they must move. But we understand that they are moving into territories that, have been, that are being occupied right now by 
the animals. How can we move and expand without causing any trouble for ourselves, without increasing infectious disease um, um, transmission? How, how do we get the environment to cooperate with us, so to speak? Absolutely. Uh, for us to get the environment to cooperate with us is to preserve the environment. Uh, if you travel out of this country to certain climes, you will discover that uh, strategic planning is quite key, even in, in public health uh, perspective, in terms of preventive public health. There are reserve areas uh, uh, for animals. Uh, you don't trespass. Uh, you don't just have uh, an interface with uh, animal community by trespassing. They are reserve areas, uh, but in this part of the world, uh, the Land Use Act, uh, you know, give us the latitude to be able to encroach into animal communities. And, and that's why we find it very difficult to go into conservational biology to be able to preserve this animal ecosystem. So we need to also look at in the direction of uh, what are the laws regarding our land use. And I think it is obsolete, and I think we need to tinker with certain acts that permit us in terms of encroachment and have preserved areas for animals. It's quite key. Uh, outside this country, if you do bush burning, you burn a bush, you are liable to go into life imprisonment. So you see people don't burn bushes anyhow. But because of our rate of poverty and you know, lack of um, exposure to come understanding the terms of how zoonotic diseases are being transmitted from animals to humans, we go into bush burning in, in sourcing for a source of proteins and, 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 and all what have you. So uh, we need certain legislators, uh, legislation to actually preserve our, 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 our ecosystem for animals, which is quite key. We need to also have an, 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 a strategic uh, policy to be able to preserve that. But as the population grows, of course, the population of animals also grow. So we need to also think in the direction of uh, what is quite key is uh, population control. Uh, in other climes, in other, uh, because we need to also see to how we can be able to manage within the space that we have. If you look at the cost implication, looking at the health economics perspective, of what, because life cannot be equated in terms of any monetary time, but the, the life lost cannot also be quantified. Uh, so you look at the health uh, economics perspective, you will discover that a lot, we have lost a lot in terms of uh, human, human, human beings that, are, that have died as a result of these diseases. So um, uh, it's, quite, it's, it's for us to do a cost-benefit analysis to look at what, what, what implies uh, for population growth in terms of encroaching into the animal uh, ecosystem, and vis-a-vis -vis having the understanding of the economic loss that we will incur. Okay, we've heard experts talk about one health. They say that you know a, a, an infectious disease cannot be treated in isolation. You have to involve the veterinary doctor so that the animals will be taken into consideration. You have to involve the agriculturists so that plants, crops will be taken into consideration. Uh, this concept, how is it working for us in Nigeria? Or is it still too new? Is it still too new for us to have really uh, put it into action? 
Yeah, uh, so uh, th that's quite uh, a very good question because uh, you cannot talk of, uh, you know, One Health concept is an ecosystem that has an interplay between three tripods, the human, the, the animal, and the environment, how they have an interplay within an ecosystem. Now, in them having an interplay within an ecosystem, they also interact and come to a point of convergence. In meet, and having this point of convergence, there are, there are chances that uh, the mutualistic relationship may not be there, and so there will be a paradigm shift to what we call a parasitic uh, relationship. So you begin to see uh, animals uh, transmitting their diseases that are, so, are very normal within their population to humans. And once they, there is a cross-species transmission, you find out that uh, 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 the disease becomes uh, quite fatal and then there are outbreaks. Um, also, when we begin to deplete the environment, we begin to make this uh, 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 habitat more unfavorable to both humans and, and, and animals, and so we also compete for resources. So the concept of One Health is not new to Nigeria. We have a strategic plan for the concept of One Health, but how is the implementation being done? How do we monitor within time series uh, to be able to monitor and evaluate the implementation of this uh, uh, strategic plan or of this concept. If we have this strategic plan and concept in place, uh, we should be able to have decrease in the number of antimicrobial drug resistance patent, both within the animal and human population, uh, because antimicrobial drug resistant, it also revolves around one health. Uh, we should also be able to decrease and interface and encroachment by humans because of population growth to animal ecosystem, which you have established in one of the questions that you asked. So uh, whether we are implementing it, uh, I, I, I think within a scale of 10, I would say yes, we, just, we are just at the middle, which is five. Uh, because uh, at national level, yes, we echo this, we, we say loud about it. But once we go to subnational level, like states, you find out that it is, uh, the, the advocacy and the implementation is very low. Talk more of the local government uh, areas. Uh, Mary, I want to say that a lot of uh, the, the policies that we have at national levels are not being cascaded down to subnational states and local government level. So we expect states to also have their One Health strategic plan and begin to implement it. Once we do that, a lot of infectious diseases will be curtailed. Okay, doctor, we'll take a break at this time. Uh, thank you for staying with us. Please stay on. We resume after. Welcome back. It's Health Matters, and we are talking seasonal infectious diseases. To call for any questions on, on that topic, dial 0808-054-2233. It should be showing on your screen now. You can tweet at ctv underscore Mary A., or you can send email to moalale at channelstv.com. And back to the discussion. Uh, doctor, let's talk about cholera for a bit. Cholera occurs when there are floods. You know, when there are floods, good waters mixed with bad waters, and then people invariably get these things into their systems. Why are we talking about cholera in the dry season? Yeah, so we talk about cholera in the dry season because um, 
uh, source of water becomes scarce. And you know that um, polluted waters, contaminated waters are the major source of cholera. And so because of the scarcity of uh, portable drinking water, uh, uh, we tend to have more cases of cholera. And uh, you know, we, we initially thought that uh, cholera is a cyclic seasonal disease that is basically uh, during rainy season because uh, there is upward review of the water table and so the infectious sediment uh, uh, water, water table becomes, comes up and then people tend to have uh, water that are polluted. Uh, but uh, there is a paradigm shift and, it, uh, and a shift in perspective now that once uh, portable drinking water becomes scarce, uh, both animals and humans tend to go for uh, uh, the available resources, which is the water resources. And so we, uh, we tend to see in the last five, ten years as a country that uh, cholera outbreaks are more, are becoming more during uh, dry season. If you look at the number of cholera cases in December 2021, uh, it's quite alarming. Uh, and then as we begin to go into January, February, and March, where water becomes scarce, then uh, uh, we tend to have more of these cases. Cholera is a social disease. Do you know why, Mary? It's because if we're able to take care of water, water, that should be the responsibility of government, we should be able to take care of cholera. We should not be talking of cholera in the 21st century. But that's uh, where I'm, I'm coming to, doctor. I was about to ask you, the available water, okay, we know it's not much, but whatever is there, can't we make it portable ourselves? I mean, if the government won't do it for us, we can heat the water, can't we? Absolutely. We can be able to make our water portable by just, by, by mere boiling. Uh, you boil it over time, you discover that you make your water portable by yourself. Uh, but there are communities that cannot even have access to water that they can be able to make it more portable. Uh, if you look at the number of cases of cholera deaths, are more than the number of uh, cases of COVID deaths in Nigeria. When you look at, in terms of the demographic spread and epidemiological data indices. Now, but. We did not take it as a disease of, uh, uh, of importance. I, I, I don't know why. Uh, I think uh, civil society organization and investigative journal, journalists should be able to go into this and begin to see states that are being ravaged by, 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 by cholera. I, I, I attended to a response in one of the states in the Northeast. And it is quite alarming, the death rate of cholera in that state. So I strongly believe that we can do more. Government can do more. And I was thinking that the Nigerian Governors Forum can be able to come up with an agenda to end cholera because it is a social disease. It is a disease that once portable uh, drinking water is being provided, we have taken care of the disease for over 90 to 100%. Okay, uh, so, so let me ask something portable? very simple at this point. Can we not, during the rainy season, preserve as much water as possible so that the dry season is not so dry and portable water can be provided. Can it be that simple? Very simple. Very, very simple. And we have the human resources to do that. Let me share something with you. Mary, 
Israel is a desert land. But you don't hear of cholera. They preserve their water. How they get their water and preserve it. In fact, in Israel is the only country in the world that does artificial rainfall. <laughs> it is a land flow with land and milk. It is the only country in the world that exports over 80% of high-tech, despite it does not have oil in the Middle East. We can learn lessons from Israel. And Let's quickly take this call. During... Sorry to cut you, doctor. Let's take this call. Uh, hello. Looks like we lost it. Please try again. So we, we were saying um, about how simple it is yeah. to preserve water, yeah. we, you know, for the dry yeah. times. We can, preserve, we can preserve water. And preserving water is that we can have artificial dams. We can have artificial dams. We can have irrigation dams. We can even collate water uh, from, from our use and reusage of water and then begin to collate them and pass them through purification processes and then use them. In London, uh, your, your sewages, uh, water from your sewages and part of uh, the domestic use is what is being used, preserved and reused again. Uh, and there's no cholera. drinking water. And there's no cholera. You get it. So we must begin to think in the direction of preserving our portable drinking water during the rainy season. And not only during the rainy season, in all season, we should be able to preserve water. And I think that we just need a, a, a national safety water plan as a country. Because uh, I was trying to dig whether we have that kind of plan, strategic plan. I have not seen it. And I was also thinking that whether we have a national cholera plan that has been launched over time. I have not seen it. So I strongly believe the time has come for us to see in that direction and begin to see how we can be able to factor in. We must begin to see how we can end certain social preventable diseases within a strategic time frame. Doctor, are vaccines the new way to go for preventing diseases? For example, let me, let me explain. Lassa fever has such a short time in which to react, maybe a week, two weeks before damage is done. So. Should vaccines be the way to go for Lassa fever, cholera, and you know, diseases like that that can cause so much damage in 24 to 48 hours? Absolutely. Uh, preventive vaccines are, are the way to go. In fact, uh, they are one of the best uh, ways if you cannot be able to provide uh, a lot of these um, uh, uh, measures that we have established. Uh, but Mary, what is quite key is that we must begin to think in the direction of, of also having a local content solutions local by strategically looking at what are the simple basic preventive measures. Uh, I make mention, I hope you know that Lhasa, the name Lhasa is from a Lhasa uh, village in Meduguri, Borno State, where the disease was first discovered. Uh, but even in terms of the vaccine production, it was, it was being produced in certain parts of Europe and America. So you discover a disease in Africa, like in Nigeria, instead of the vaccines to be domesticated and be produced based on the strains that we have and carry out clinical trials in, in, in a country like Nigeria and other Guinea and the ones that fall within the West African belts. <laughs> we wait for people to produce the vaccine for us 
and then give us as gifts, and then in turn also buy it. So what stops us from having a vaccine initiative? Most of these preventable diseases, we can be able to, we have the human resources, the vaccinologists in, in country that can be able to do that. What happens to our universities? <laughs> you mean okay, that uh, Dr. I, I was watching Dr. the of I really have to cut you in there. I know we can go on for the next 30 minutes, but our time is up. And if there's anything I've learned from you, it is that we should prevent and we should have homegrown solutions. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for being Thank there. Thank you, Mary, for having me. Of course. Thank you also, viewers, for being there. You have a great day, and please take care of yourselves. I am Mary Alale Yusuf.